Well, hello, Timberline family. Great to be with you again. We are in the middle of a three-part series, as you heard from Pastor Brent. Last week, uh, Pastor Derry spoke to the subject of Mary. Next week, it's going to be baby Jesus because we're right before Christmas. And this week, I'm talking about Joseph. This very brief story about one man who made one decision that shaped the course of history because of his stance and his decision, we're having this. Timberline exists. Both is talking about it. And that man was a first century Jewish man that you already know about if you've been around the Christmas story at all. His Hebrew name is Yosef. His Latin or Greek name would be Joseph. That's how we know him. He's the husband of Mary, stepfather of Jesus, if I can put it that way. And this is confession time. I, guess. <laughs> I didn't know if I should say this or not, but this is confession time. Never in 50 years of speaking have I spoken a message just about Joseph. I know I probably should have. I know it's a flaw, whatever. I said it was confession time, but... The fact is that it's always I've talked about Joseph in the context of Mary. Oh, passing references, certainly, to him being the stepfather of Jesus. But it's always sort of Mary and Joseph, and Joseph's off a little up and to the left or something. So we will remedy that this weekend. He's an inconspicuous person in a lot of ways, but he's in the royal line of King David the greatest king that Israel ever knew, a thousand years before Joseph shows up on the scene, there was King David. There were lots of people who were descendants of King David, but still when ancestry is considered a big deal as it was there and still is in the Middle East, that's a powerful thing. What we don't know about Joseph, candidly, is more than we do know about Joseph. Actually, he's never mentioned in Scripture after Jesus is 12. And that's just in the early part of the Gospels in Luke 2. But what we do know about him sets the stage for everything that follows. So here we go. And we're reading from Matthew, the first chapter. And I have to tell you that starting the whole New Testament with Matthew, those first verses don't grab you. I mean, we're talking genealogy here. Listen to how it reads. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And we're just through verse two of Matthew here. And then it goes on for a bunch of other verses with all the begats and the father of this and the father of that. And you get down to verse 15 and it says, and Elihud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So we go through 16 verses of genealogy, and then we get to this. In verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now that means that they 
were engaged, they were betrothed, which in that culture at that time was a much more significant thing than it is now. They actually had, a, had an occasion. They actually, it was formalized. It was very serious. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to read the rest of it. We'll come back then. But after he had considered this, considered means he really was pondering it, really thinking it through. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, this is Isaiah, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, there's a start for a story right there. I'm going to go back. I'm going to reach back to a series we did a while back called Exile. It was about Daniel. Some of you remember it. And there was a tagline that, about second choice living. But there was also a tagline or a phrase that several of us used that life is what happens when you expected something else. So that's point one. We're going back to that point. Life is what happens when you expected something else. Well, I guess when you read this story, that's certainly true. I listen to myself and others today because we feel we're in times of upheaval. We say this virtually every weekend. And I hear phrases like, never in our lifetimes have we been in this dilemma or it came out of the blue. I was blindsided, totally off guard, just came from nowhere, never in a million years. The New Testament begins with that kind of moment, precisely. We have nothing on Joseph, the builder, royal line of David, son of Jacob, husband of Mary. This, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, he, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So who is Joseph? How about if I let him introduce himself and just do this fun thing in this Christmas season? I don't know if it'll work or not, but I liked working with this, just trying to think how Joseph would think about his moment and his life. And so I've tossed in a few things that we would probably call historical fiction or docudrama. And uh, hopefully it's good imagination and not just boring. So here we go. My name is Yosef. I was born and brought up in Nazareth, actually just down the street from Mary, not, not far at all. I'm some years older than she is, and, and when she was 14 and I was mm, 22, we were betrothed, engaged, which in our culture was a serious binding thing. There was a festivity connected, a formal ceremony connected with it. And rich guys usually wait longer to marry, so you have older men marrying younger girls, but we weren't rich, and so she's 14 and I'm 22. And um, 
I grew up there, as I said, and physically I grew up to about 5'5". Five, five. That's about the size of our people. We're not big like those Roman soldiers they brought from Germany, those mercenaries, those Hessians, those were big guys. Our village had somewhere between four, 450 folks in it. We sat in a basin up in the hills in Galilee. Hard to get to, really. Not easy roads to get up to where we were. At, at about 1,100 feet. And if I stood and looked south, I'm looking 90 miles to Jerusalem. I can't see it, of course, but it's that far south. 15 miles to my east would be the Sea of Galilee. 35 miles to my west would be the Mediterranean. And we were just a small community that had a few terraced farms and we had decent water sources. It rained maybe two feet a year where we are. And I was a builder. I am a builder. Uh, sometimes I've been called a carpenter, but the word that I was called nagar is a, is a broader word. It, it, it can mean stonemason. It also can mean someone who is learned and literary, if you will, in the Torah. And I have to say without, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself, but, but I knew Torah and I knew it well and I loved it. We built all kinds of things. We built door frames, we built wooden locks and wooden keys and yokes for animals, but we mostly built houses. And our houses that we built weren't big houses. They were maybe one room, maybe two, and they would have limestone block foundations that we would cut and get to fit tightly together. And then on top of that, mud bricks, and on that you'd have plaster. And sometime in the house, you'd have just openings in the wall, not to the outside, but just to put things because we didn't have lots of cupboards and shelves, didn't have any high tables and all of that. Maybe space in the back for a couple of animals and a cistern for water. The thing that was really good about our houses was they were flat roofed houses and the roof was the place that was social, if you will. We built those with strong beams and covered them with thorn bushes and clay and gravel and then rolled it and it made it hard. And so when it rained, the rain didn't get in unless there was a strong rain. Then you'd have to go up and repair it and roll it again. But it's where we dried what few clothes we had. And it's where we slept many months out of the year. And it's where we gathered in the evening. And we would tell stories, sometimes sing songs, sometimes um, even quote Torah. And... Uh, by law, actually, you would have to do a parapet, a, a, a sort of a railing around so you wouldn't fall off the edge. I got to tell you, I love building. I love creating. I love being a craftsman, getting things plumb and square. And, but I really focused on that foundation because when you get the foundation right, then everything else works. So for us, foundations and roofs are the special places that you have to pay attention to. All that to say, I was so excited to plan my life with Mary. That girl down the street, we talked much about what we wanted to be and do as much as we were allowed. And then for me came that night and that dream and that decision. And when I awakened from that dream where the angelic being showed up, I, I couldn't remember if it was a dream or if, a, or if I was awake the whole time. All I know that that first part when he said Mary was pregnant, my heart was in my throat. I didn't know what was good. And then he said that thing, but it's okay because it's from the Holy Spirit. And it went on to explain who it was. And I can't tell you exactly what happened, but there was such a relief and such a peace. It wasn't logical 
that I knew what I had heard was true and it was going to be all right. So in our years together, I never really saw Mary upset, but twice. Once was when we talked about that pregnancy. How are we going to explain this? And the other was 12 years later, or when Jesus was 12 and we were at the Passover in Jerusalem and we lost him. <laughs> I mean, you know, pregnancy and the Passover, two big moments, if you will. So we started our marriage in what others to others would be a shaky place. But when God is in it, it's never shaky. Actually, we were on the run. The political moment of that day, of that time, dictated everything. Romans said, you have to go to your ancestral village to be counted. So we went, she was heavily pregnant. We end up in Bethlehem. And then we find out there's Herod, this puppet king who wants to kill us. How did we find out? Angel shows up again. So we get out of there and we go to Egypt for a while. And then the angel shows up again. Said, that guy's dead, you can go home. Nazareth, here we come. So I had a son, we had a son that I, didn't produce, but I had the huge joy of raising him and training him. It was like building a good house, if you will. Yeshua, Jesus, as you'd know him, was our eldest. We had seven others and we had four boys, three girls. And what good years those were. What a good learner and worker Jesus was. We dug foundations and memorized Torah. We sang psalms when we put beams of, you know, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but as I remember it, I'm remembering it, that's how it felt. And he loved making sure everything was right, was square, was solid. He didn't carry my blood, but he was mine. You know, kids take stuff every now and again. I know we're not supposed to, but we do. Kids take stuff. And Jesus really didn't do that. All he ever stole from me was my heart. I know that sounds cheesy, but that's what happened for me. I didn't get to see him reach manhood. I died in my early 40s, but I went to my grave still believing what the angel said, that our boy Yeshua would become Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of us all. Okay, both is back. Point two, decisions depend on what you believe. Decisions depend on what you believe. Here is a, here is a decision maker, this Joseph, this in, in some ways seemingly inconsequential person is at one level the most consequential person in the story here because of a decision he made. In a time when all truth is express this way. Well, that, that's your truth. Whatever's truth for you, go with that. We're good. Belief is a challenging thing. I mean, we live in a culture where so many are saying there's no objective truth. There's no true north, whatever. Joseph had truth. He believed Torah. He believed there was a God who is the great I am that that God cared and healed and provided and went before you and came behind you and was over you and undergird. He believed in that God. And he was probably taught Torah by his father. He believed in what he could do as a builder, I think. Again, trained into him by his father. But he didn't believe the jibe. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You read that in the scripture. That's one of the only shots. Is this Jesus, is he the, that Joseph the carpenter's guy, son? He didn't believe that apparently. Joseph, for whatever reasons, believed 
an angelic visitor. Three times. First time his beliefs saved at least Mary and maybe Jesus. Next two times his belief saved the whole family. Point three is doing the right thing has a cost and a benefit. Doing the right thing has a cost and benefit. Scripture says when we read it, Joseph was a just man. That word just means righteous. He was one who tried to stand before God with, um, with no blemish, if you will. Sure, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but, he, but his relationship was such that he wanted to do the right thing in the right way, much like I think he probably built his houses. He, he read Isaiah for sure, and the model of Isaiah's suffering servant carries with it that kind of ethos. He could have been, if he wanted to, at that moment with Mary, he could have been part of the cancel culture of his day. He could have said, well, I don't like what you did, you're out. One hint of misunderstanding and you're out. That's what cancel culture does. She would have been possibly stoned by the people, but certainly shamed by all of society. And cancel culture has no conversation, only judgment. And that's not who Joseph was. On the other hand, in a day where we excuse ourselves by saying, well, I'm just a man. That's, that's what men do. That's what the boys are about. You know, what can I say? This scripture has the just in a different place. It says Joseph was a just man, not just a man. He was a just man, not because he was selfish, not because he was self-justifying or self-righteous, but because of a loving father. Some years ago, I was um, principal of a very small school, 90 people out in Modesto, California. And we had paved a, a, a basketball court, repaved it. And it really wasn't done well. There were dips and hollows. And, and so an uncle of my wife's, Hubert Presnell, he was a, a rancher who uh, really had a heart for God, but he also could be a bit hard. Some of you know those kind of folks. And, um, I remember him standing with me with the contractor and saying, uh, hearing him say, would, would you like this basketball court uh, at your house? Would you, would, would you like that? And the man just went like this. And he said, uh, all we want is for this to be done right. Whatever we can't say about Joseph, we can say that he was a man who did the right thing. He was a man with a good heart. He was willing to swim upstream. He stood on principle fed by compassion. When scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion, I say, well, of course he's God. That's what God does. I'd like to suggest that it also might be that his earthly stepfather encouraged him in that. Number four, to invest in another is always God's way. It's always God's way. Joseph was gone. Jesus was in his earthly ministry. And in Mark, the 10th chapter, toward the end of his earthly life, he says this, Mark 10, 45, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. I think this, God chose Joseph. Why? Because Joseph, as a person and as a builder, would get it right. He was a man after God's heart. He was a craftsman. He was careful and precise and solid. 
Yusuf, his name means he will add. He is value added to your life, okay? He was willing to put his own reputation on the line. He was willing to give his years and his skills to Jesus. He and Mary had at least seven biological children of their own, four boys and several girls. But Joseph cares for Yeshua, Jesus, the one God gave him in another manner. He cares for him the same way, but he came to him. Jesus came to him in a different manner. He would all of his life know that to be a stepfather would be the greatest responsibility and privilege that he would ever have. A decision he made out of love for God and a revelation by God. And he got the incredible benefit of that. I just like to say this as I wrap this up. If you're a stepfather or a stepmother, if you're stepping up and stepping in this Christmas season, when you could step away or have stepped away, be blessed. Thank you for that. As we close, I just want to toss out three suggestions. Think of the people who invested in you when they didn't have to. Think of the people who believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. Think of the people who might have walked away from you with legitimate reason, but didn't. How about at this Christmas time, these next couple of weeks, how about making a call or sending a note you say, why? Because it's the right thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that in circumstances that are challenging to comprehend, you show up in times and places that go beyond our understanding in ways that we can never grapple or, or understand, but we get the benefit. Thank you for the people in our lives who have made strong, right decisions. Thank you for people in our lives who have believed in us. Thank you for all of the things that Joseph models for us in just a few verses of scripture, but they tell the story of what resurrection life looks like. We give you praise this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Go in His grace.